Welcome to a brand new episode of Chiefs Wire Podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, I sit down with Jaguars Wire editors Adam Stites to discuss everything going on with Jacksonville ahead of Sunday's game at Arrowhead Stadium. We also do our weekly check-in on Chiefs press conferences. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire managing editor Charles Goldman. Hey, Charles. Anything that stood out to you from the Week 9 win over the Titans? Yeah, I know a lot of us, uh, myself included, predicted a big blowout win for Kansas City, but you know, I think I'm actually happy it didn't go that way, and I'll tell you why. For me, those ugly, gritty, just like not great games that you end up winning, like for me, those are the ones that tend to build the most character for a team. And uh, even though Andy Reid has said like. We're switching to our midseason schedule, which in in his case, it means more 10-10-10 practices. Um, So, you know, lighter practices. Um, But the Chiefs aren't going to get complacent after like a three-point win over a team with a rookie quarterback who only threw the ball like a dozen times, right? Like, Like this team, they know they've got some work to do after that game because, you know, it was within the realm of possibility. I mean, they were what, 12? 12-point favorites heading into the game, 10.5-point favorites, whatever it was. Um, it, it was within the realm of possibility that they could beat that team by a lot more than they did. Now, the Titans always tend to give the Chiefs uh, a tough time, at least in recent uh, years. But, you know, I think this was you know, it was a bit of a statement game for the Chiefs' defense. They played, outside of a few explosive plays, they played just lights out. Kept the team in the game when... The offense was really sputtering, and, you know, I, I think it also shows you this game shows you the offense is flappable. Like, you can get to this offense, and, and they need to work to correct some mistakes. Uh, penalties were a huge issue. Red zone offense, it, it wasn't that great. Uh, it, it really struggled quite a bit, and some of that, you know, was penalties. But, you know, there were some other things, too, that were, uh, that were problematic for, for the offense in that game. And, and thankfully, you know, they had some things go right in the end, in the fourth quarter and in overtime. But, yeah, they've got some work to do. And I, I think that's the biggest thing that, that stood out is that this group still, through the halfway point of the season, they can get better. And um, if you if you peak too soon uh, as, as a team and as an offense, you know, it, it's coach talk. People, <laughs> Andy Reid and the, the players, they speak it quite frequently but if you it's true if you peak too soon you are not going to find success later in the season when you need to be at your best when you need to make that push for the playoffs when you need to you know going into the playoffs win a game or go home so i i think that games like this can can be extremely valuable to that type of mentality and uh to the team getting better as the season goes on how would you rank Patrick Mahomes' performance Sunday night against the others in his career? Well, it's definitely up there uh, in terms of his regular season performances. I mean, I joked about uh, getting sentimental anytime he he ran against the Titans because I mean we we all remember uh, the run in the AFC title game, touchdown run that kind of turned things around for Kansas City, set up the uh, you know the opportunity to go and play in. Super Bowl 54 and win that but um yeah I I think that he he really put the team on his back at times in this game 
obviously running the ball, like we're mentioning, but I mean, he had a few like really clutch throws at key moments. Uh, statistically, it was one of his best career performances. Uh, you know, obviously he was two two attempts away from the most uh, passing attempts and or three attempts away from most passing attempts in a game, single game in NFL history. Um, so not only was he great throwing the ball, but he was great running it as well. And then, you know, um, if it wasn't for, say, Joe Mixon going off for five touchdowns, I think he probably would have won AFC Offensive Player of the Week. That probably would have been his third of the season, I believe. And, you know, the performance reestablished him as the front runner for the in the NFL MVP race. And, you know, frankly, with with Josh Allen getting injured and, you know, if um, if the Eagles keep winning games, I could see it being a tight race between, say, Mahomes and uh, and and the Eagles quarterback. So I, I don't know. It's interesting. I think I think this this game will probably be overlooked against some other performances in his career. But I, I think, you know, like I was mentioning earlier, we could look back at this game and say that this was like a big turning point for, for the team, right? That that it helped them in a big way. And I think it could be that way for, for Mahomes too. This could be a, a bit of a turning point for him this season and his play and, um, you know, just continuing to build on that performance. So that, that's that's something I'll be looking at you know, kind of as the season progresses here. Are you convinced that Kadarius Tony will play a significant role in the offense moving forward? There is zero doubt in my mind that uh, Tony is going to be anything short of massive down the stretch uh, this season for Kansas City, it, but also the next two years as well. I mean, we saw flashes of his skill set just with two catches last week. Uh, he's extremely elusive with the ball in his hands. And then, you know, the route running, uh, I, I I was I I didn't realize that he was as good of a route runner as he was. I mean, everyone saw the Senior Bowl uh, clips of him, you know, working guys in one on ones, but those are always kind of you know um, things that are catered towards or or look better for the receivers than they do the defensive backs, unless you know just an incredible play by the DBs. But I I mean, the thing that stood out most to me outside of that stuff was like the dirty work. Right, the chip block that he had on the defensive end that was going around that clip on Twitter, uh, and, and I mean he was that was really really nice play. And then you know blocking for his teammates in the running game, or you know when they got a reception and he was out there on the field, he was he was all over the field making plays. He was helping guys up uh, after they got tackled. He was the first guy over there to help guys up. I, I mean. I don't really know what what went wrong in New York. I can assume that this offseason, the new regime was like, hey, like this player hasn't been available very much. Let's try to trade him. And maybe he didn't like that. Maybe he wanted more commitment than that. But like, I, I, I don't I don't think you can't say he's not a team player. He looks like the ultimate team player so far in one game. So. I'm just excited to see what he does um, with more opportunities. Uh, you know that Andy Reid, you know, he's going to have some stuff cooked up for him. He said they limited him, uh, Tony, to 9 to 10 snaps, I believe it was, in, in Week 9. I think he had nine offensive snaps. But, I mean, I'd expect at least double that this week. And if Michael Hardman is out, he has the abdominal injury that is causing him to, to miss practice here to start the week. I think there's a chance that we could even see him on special teams. You know, punt returns. Maybe he gets a little bit more comfortable there, gets some opportunities there. Um, 
yeah, so I, 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 I'm excited. I think he's going to be a big part of what they do here. It's clear he already has some chemistry brewing with the, within the offense with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, it's just building blocks, building blocks each, each week, giving him a little bit more, a little bit more, uh, until he gets to the point where he's comfortable, where the, the, you know, offensive coaching staff's comfortable, quarterback's comfortable. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like what I saw so far. What should the Chiefs do to get the running game on track? You know, I think this is more uh, on the coaching staff than anything else. Though there is something to be said uh, about the defensive lines they've faced so far this season, the, the linebackers, front sevens. I think they've only faced uh, four teams that aren't in the top ten in rush defense this season. So, And they get another pretty good unit in the Jaguars this week. I think they're in the top 15 or so. So that'll be something to consider. Um, the team also hasn't really done themselves any favor with the running game, uh, especially when it comes to creativity and scheme. I know our friends at Touchdown Wire, they had an article, uh, a film review about this some weeks back. And I think the problem is, like, they can't even execute the basic stuff, so why go with the more complicated stuff? I, I think that's probably the the thinking right now. Um, it, it's clear they're making a concerted effort to get Isaiah Pacheco going on early downs because they feel like he's on the cusp of of a breakout performance. I think we've been we've been getting like hints of that for a while now. Um, ultimately, it's been Jarek McKinnon who's getting the most most snaps lately. I think the last two games he had the most snaps uh, of any of the running backs, and it's because we're throwing the ball a lot, and he's the best pass blocker they have. And he can catch the ball. So uh, he has a lot of value to be in there on a snap-to-snap basis. You know, when you're throwing the ball, you know, three, 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 four snaps, you know, in a row. So I, I'm just not sure that the solution for the running game is necessarily on the roster for Kansas City right now. Like, it's certainly not, you know, going to Ronald Jones. I know people have been calling for that. But there's a reason that he has not seen an opportunity so far. And, you know, it's because he's not – He's not trusted to do so. And, uh, you know, as limited as all the other players are, you know, um, he's even more so limited in what he can do uh, within the offense, being that he's he's a pure runner. You're not you're not going to want to see him catching the ball. You're not going to want to see him in pass protection. You're going to want to see him running power up the middle. Um, and, And, you know, they just don't do that enough or a lot. Now, they say at some point they'll need him and use him and whatnot, but we'll, we'll see there. Um, it almost feels like if they combine Pacheco, McKinnon, Clyde into one back, they'd have the answer, the solution. But they're each these fragmented pieces that have struggled to make the running game whole. Um, and, and I don't know that there's necessarily an answer to doing anything other than what they've done so far, which is allow them to do what they do best. You know, put them in situations. And then, you know, like I said, if Pacheco, if he gets going, you know, uh, on, on these early downs, feed him. McKinnon, if he's the solution because you're going to have to throw a lot, keep him in there. Clyde, they've gone to him in some key moments. They did last week. Uh, he only had about 17 snaps, but he had one of the biggest plays of the game, uh, a short run. I think it was like a two-yard run to, to convert a key down in the game. So, I think what they're doing right now is playing to the strengths of the players they have. But I think if you're expecting this to be like some crazy power run game that can uh, can you know 
help the offense go, you're going to be disappointed. Okay, Charles, now it's time for the mailbag. Ask Chiefswire, Ned Dixon. Ned Dixon, he writes, Do you think the Chiefs will play Lucas Nyang at right tackle over Andrew Wiley once he's been activated to the 53-man roster? Um, You know, right now, uh, I'm just hoping that, that Nyang can you know, uh, get back and is actually activated and doesn't end up on, on season ending injured reserve, right? If he's not activated, uh, after his 21 day window, uh, the team is forced to, to place him on, on injured reserve for the remainder of the season. And that would be his second season that he would miss if that was the case. Um, Andy Reid's update on Wednesday, that, that wasn't exactly the most encouraging thing. Uh, he said that, that Nyang's made progress, but he isn't there yet. So, if anything, it's going to take the full 21-day window for the team to activate him. I just hope they didn't jump the gun because he's only got 13 get days, uh, 13 days from from the podcast publishing, I guess, um, to show the coaches and trainers that he's ready to go. Uh, if he does end up back on the roster now, I, I could see the Chiefs making a change, if only for evaluation purposes. So, like. Is Niang potentially the right tackle of the future for this team? Can he stay healthy and contribute? Like, what is his ceiling? Is it just swing tackle? Because remember, he's played like, what, 12, 14 career games? He's now in his third season uh, with the team. So I, I think that, you know, they could they could definitely put him in there um, and, and just see what happens. But, uh, yeah, it's... Um, it's 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 going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I, w- I wouldn't keep my expectations super high. I, I think it would be a great surprise if he could come back and contribute in any way at all this season. Um, but I, I'm just also not too sure how motivated the Chiefs are to replace Wiley right now. I mean, sure, he's had some bad snaps. So has Orlando Brown Jr. So has probably everyone on the offensive line this year. But I, I thought that Wiley actually played better than he was given credit for in each of the past two games. I think he's he's playing really edgy here, and uh, you know I think he's I think he's noticing that people you know people don't necessarily have the same faith in him that they might have in other players. Um, and he knows you know guys know when they don't play their best, right? Like they don't they don't just like go through the game and they're like, oh well, you know. Uh, whatever, it, it, like he knows if he's having a bad game or if he has a bad snap, and, and they want to make up for that. So, you know, I, I feel like he had a couple bad snaps in this past game, even, and then boom, he made up for it. A couple key blocks down the stretch. Um, you know, when when had he not made those blocks, it could have gone much differently. So, I, I think you you kind of live with some of those growing pains and some of those um, you know up and down moments. Uh, for for the up moments, <clears throat> but I, I, I'm just not sure it gets uh, it gets much better uh, that Lucas Nyang, you know, coming back back off the this injury, I, I'm not sure that he he makes things much better than what you're getting with Wiley right now. And lastly, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Yeah, so every week I tell you guys to check out Wesley's uh, special teams film review. This one was exceptional. It was really, really good. Uh, it highlighted uh, Deion Bush's performance in Week Nine on uh, on the coverage units, and then uh, Miko Hardman's return to the starting punt returner position, uh, as well as a look at Justin Watson, who had a trick play. So that was kind of interesting. And then 
you know, we've got plenty of other good stuff uh, recapping Week 9 win over the Titans. Lots of new uh, new stuff on, on Chiefs, uh, uh, their, their new wide receiver, Kadarius Toney. Um, rookie cornerback Trent McDuffie returning to action. Uh, a lot on that as well. Uh, some preview content for, for the Week 10 game against the Jaguars coming up pretty soon here. Um, obviously, all the info on the Chiefs' Week 11 game against the Chargers getting flexed to Sunday Night Football. I, for one, am very... I don't know about you guys. I'm I'm very excited about a noon game this week. Um, I, I <laughs> Those night games, they get, they get to you after a while, guys. They get to you. Uh, as always, we appreciate you guys following along, reading the website, listening to the podcast, supporting us out there on social media as well. Uh, we couldn't do any of this without your support, so thank you guys again so much. You know what we say now. Go Chiefs! Hey, Adam, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Who are the players you like to highlight on the Jaguars' offense? So I think the first player to highlight on the Jaguars' offense and the the most significant player to highlight is Travis Etienne. Uh, He, on an offense that really is as a passing offense that doesn't have very much of a deep threat, they they go full games without even attempting passes more than 20 yards downfield, Uh, he's really become... Both the the grinder who can get you four or five yards at a time, and he's also the home run threat for the offense. He's averaging close to six yards a carry, and that's because at any point in time, he looks like he could break for 40-plus yards. He's leads the NFL, actually, in 40-plus yard rushes. So he's the, the, the engine that has made the Jaguars' offense go. Uh, I think Chiefs fans can probably... Uh, compare him to Jamal Charles. I think that's a, a very similar comparison for what he's been for the Jaguars offense. He's this uh, relatively durable back that we didn't kind of expect out of out of ETN, but what he is is also a, a guy who gets far more yards than you'd expect out of somebody his size, and he's a home run threat who could take the, the distance the whole way. And like I said, off- offensively, the, the Jaguars really like to um, lean on efficiency when it comes to the passing game. They're, they're not going to be taking deep shots down the field. They're not going to be looking for the home run ball. They really like to kind of dink and dunk their way down the field with in, short and intermediate passes. And the guys to look for there are, are Christian Kirk, first and foremost. Uh, you know, that, that contract he got in the offseason was kind of an eye-opener for a lot of people. Uh, he never hit a thousand yards during his seasons with Arizona, and the Jaguars paid him like a number one receiver. But the reality is, is that through nine games, he's on pace for close to an eleven hundred yard season. He already has five touchdowns. Uh, he's having a career year, and the Jaguars are getting what they paid for out of him. Uh, they could really use a, a wide receiver that could stretch the field, and that's what they believe they have in Calvin Ridley coming next year. But for now, they really just have to have guys that move the chains and that's say jones and marvin jones um and they're just really guys that that can give you 10 yards at a time they're they're, neither one of them are gonna rack up the yak yards or or really run wide open down the field they're they're guys that are gonna make the tough contested catches and move the chains and that's what the jaguars offense is built around and who are the players you like to highlight on the jaguars defense defensively which what the jaguars try to do is uh, stuff the run and when they 
are healthy, they've been pretty good at it. They, they had two really rough games, uh, one against the Giants. Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones ran like wild against them, and then the other was the Philadelphia Eagles, where Miles Sanders just couldn't be stopped in, the, in a rainy day. But in both of those cases, they didn't really have a, a healthy full Lorenzo Fatukasi on the defensive line. And when he's healthy and Roy Robertson Harris is playing well, the Jaguars are a tough defense to run against. And when they have the run defense going, and, and number one overall pick Trayvon Walker has helped with that a lot, uh, when that run defense is going, it really just comes down to whether or not they can cover. And they have a very talented corner in Tyson Campbell, but the other side has been a liability. Uh, it was Shaquille Griffin. It'll probably be Shaquille Griffin when he comes back from injured reserve. But for now, they've had Trey Herndon over there. They've they've swapped in uh, their rookie, Monteric Brown, uh, at times. But it's mostly been Trey Herndon, and it's a problem. Uh, he's a guy who is good for most of the game, but then gets torched down the field for a 50-yarder at some point. It just kind of it feels like an inevitability that at some point he's going to get burnt deep. Uh, they have a good pair of safeties in Andre Sisco and, and Rayshon Jenkins. Jenkins is dealing with concussion right now, but it sounds like he might be able to play on Sunday. But either way, uh, the safeties are pretty good, but mostly untested. They're, they're a pretty young group back there and not the most reliable. Finally, what is your prediction for the game? I think my prediction for Sunday is that we'll see a kind of a shootout because that seems what the to be what the Chiefs the Chiefs drag everybody into. They they just kind of force you to play that that shootout kind of game where it's going to be Mahomes versus your quarterback and and that's that's what the matchup they're looking for and I think that's a situation that plays out very unfavorably for the Jaguars. I don't think this offense has enough room margin for error. I think when something goes wrong a sack, a penalty, a turnover. It really just derails an offense that can't make the big plays to make up for that. So my prediction is I think that the 10-point line that's out there right now looks pretty accurate to me, and I'm going to guess 30 to 20 maybe, 34, 24, something something around those lines uh, with the Chiefs improving to 7 and – or, yeah – Seven and two, and the the Jaguars drop into three and seven as they're heading into their bye week. sore even when I pitched um, when I was younger so uh, usually just the normal stuff I mean we do different stuff that I do with my trainers and stuff like that but uh, other than that I just try to keep that arm strength up and keep rolling. When you face a former coach like Doug Peterson who knows you very well how do you prepare knowing that they know a lot of things that help you get to where you are? 
Yeah, I, I have to ask because I, I actually wasn't here with Doug, so he got here right at he left right before I got here, and so I knew a lot of people that knew him um, and talked very highly of him, how great of a coach he was, and so I have to kind of go back and ask sometimes, like, hey, on this check, does does he know like what this check means and stuff like that, so that we can change the code words, we can change stuff up, so that he doesn't have any intel on the stuff we're trying to get done. Um, not necessarily. I think we still do a good job of trying to mix it up, and obviously that game got a little out of hand as far as throwing the ball a little bit more than we wanted to, as compared to running it. But uh, it kind of it called for that, and uh, to be able to do both. I think you've seen in games we've been able to run the ball a lot um, in some games, and then obviously there's games where we have to throw the ball. It's uh, something that you have to do as a as an offense in order to succeed in this league is being able to do both, and uh, that's something that I think we can do in this team. Yeah, just the way that, um, I mean, their, their team's built. Their D-line's a very good defensive line, especially against the run. They do a good job of being in the right gaps. Linebackers fly up and make plays. And so uh, that day they had a good game plan for our run game. So we had to kind of use those shorter passes to kind of get those yards. Um, and so uh, that's just being able to be diverse as an offense. And uh, I think the only thing next is we got to score some of those drives that we were kind of getting those yards, and that's something that we missed out on this last week. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it. I mean, you don't know because you don't, you never have done it before. But uh, at the same time, I feel like I could have went out there and competed. Um, I think I did a good job of, of doing what, what, it, what it took to just kind of stay patient, even though stuff wasn't going our way, which is something I don't know if I could have done when I was younger in my career. I might have forced the issue a little bit more. Um, but uh, Coach Reed trusted me and trusted our offense to figure it out, and uh, he kept calling plays and getting us into the right the right plays at the right time so that we were able to make it happen there at the end. As you looked at your film, were you happy with all the decisions that you made to scramble, or, or did, you, did you sense, okay, maybe I could do this differently? Um, I mean, there was definitely some decisions that I, I missed some throws um, that were out there. I think there was one time um, where it was uh, going towards the other end zone. We didn't score in that. I thought I had McColl, and I kind of predetermined based on the cover two shell that he wasn't going to be open. And then there's the one down the middle of the field that I missed McColl, which I thought he was kind of getting in and out, and they somehow dropped him. And I, it's like another one you just predetermine. You think they're going to be in the right position, and then they don't end up being there. And so um, just trying to stay – when there's that many plays, you're going to miss throws. Um, but uh, whenever they're touchdown throws, you want to make sure you hit them. So try to go back and make sure I hit them whenever they're, whenever they're there. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who's going to continue to go out there and put his best effort, uh, put his best step forward. And uh, he's someone that plays hard. He runs the ball hard. Um, but in this offense, I mean, you, you've seen him in the receiving room. You've seen the running back room, tight end room, other than Travis. Uh, it's going to be a different guy every week. And uh, I think just having uh, Isaiah out there, I mean, he's going to be that physical runner, can really gain those extra yards, fall forward. Um, but then when you throw in guys like Clyde and Jet, all these guys, uh, they're ready to go. Um, it keeps those guys fresh, and it keeps them ready to go whenever their number's called during the game. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, um, he's so physically gifted. Uh, he's so fast, and sometimes you're like, man, just you gotta just take that extra step, then hit it. Um, but uh, you don't want to take that aggressiveness away from him because it's hard for defenses to account for is how physical he runs. Um, but I think as he sees more and more in this league, um, he's gonna his, the sky's the limit because he has all the physical tools to go out there and be great. Patrick got fourth and one in overtime. Um, you guys got timeout. You wouldn't talk to Andy and Eric. Was that to talk about? 
should you go for it, or was that a talk about play call you like as one of that conversation? Yeah, it was a it was more play call. Um, I think we figured we were going to go for it. We not only thought we were going to get it, but we trusted how our defense was playing. If we didn't get it, they could get us the ball back and we could maybe get back in field goal range again. Um, but uh, we wanted to get to the perfect play call, and they actually did a pretty good job of covering the front side read uh, of that play. But once that that uh, linebacker, that whole player, kind of pushed over towards Travis, I knew Juju was one-on-one on that back side. So just trusting in your guys to make plays, and Juju ran a good route, caught the ball, and got the first down. They were asking you questions. Did you suggest that one or is that one yeah, yeah, that was one that we had talked about. So we had kind of talked about before going into the, the last drive, we got put in a situation where we needed one play. What, what were we thinking? And it, we had like a list of three, and we were going to see how the defense was playing. And how the defense was playing, that was the, one of the plays that we had talked about. And I said that's the one I wanted to go with. And coaches, they trusted me and the guys to go out there and make a play happen in a big moment in the game. I want to take time to thank my guest Adam Stites from Jaguars Wire to fill us in on everything that's going on with Jacksonville and to remind everybody to please follow us on Twitter at The Chiefs Wire. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next week.